Welcome to track number 11 of The Privilege. I mean, who said no? How many of you have not eaten? Okay. Have you eaten? Yes. Have you drunk? Yes. Okay. Have you smiled? Yes. Okay. Are you smiling? Yes. <laughs> All right. Are you laughing? Those are the back. Are you okay? Okay. Is my seat there? I have a seat at the back. Is it there? Okay. Where's the brother who is supposed to be? Stephen. Is it Stephen? Where's Stephen? Oh, Stephen. Please. Where's Stephen? Stephen Kilela. Kilela. Stephen Kilela, where are you? On his way. He's not here yet. Oh, but where's everyone? Why are we not here? Uh, Who is the camp prefect? Are there people standing outside chatting? Anybody outside? Just bring all of them in. Whilst you look for your notes where we started from, what's the first topic that we... What it means to be called a shepherd, isn't it? Have you found the title, what it means to be called a shepherd? Have you found it? All right. No, have you found it? Oh, only six people are answering. Have you found it? Okay. Hey, Pastor Frank. If there's anyone out there, encourage the person to come in. Okay, so what it means to be called a shepherd. Have you found it? Those at the back, have you found it? Okay. So number one is what? It means what? To be what? To be summoned distinctly. What does it mean to be summoned distinctly? What does it mean? To be called by name, isn't it? Yeah, it means that it's very clear that it's you. It's you. Yes, it's very specific. So we have examples of who. Number one is what? Zacchaeus. Second example is who? Moses. Samuel. Saul. Those of you who don't have these examples, are you writing the examples down? That's why it's good to go over. You know, so that you'll be able to get and even understand what you did not understand earlier. So it means to be summoned distinctly. It means that there'll be no ambiguity whether it's you or it's someone else. It's very clear. It's very you-specific. If it's Seto, it's Seto. If it's Lydia, it's Lydia. If it's King George, it's King George. It's very clear that it is you. You can't say that it sounds like you know, it's you, but it sounds like someone else. You are not sure whether you are called or not called. How many of you realize that you are called to be a shepherd? After all that you heard yesterday, even if you, are, you don't feel called, how many of you would like to be called to be a shepherd? I mean, you would like it. How many of you would like to be called? You would like to be called. Yeah. Yeah. Probably before you came to the camp, you didn't think you were called, but now... After you've heard about desires, you will like to be called. I mean, if you will like to be called, say, God, please call me. Yeah. So, so the examples are what? Number one is who? Zach. But please talk to me, okay? Please talk to me. 
Number one is who? Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. James and John. Okay. And then the last person is who? Yourself. Okay. And then number two, what does it mean to be called the shepherd? Number two is what? To receive special mercy. To receive special mercy. I mean, God calls you. You should know that you don't deserve it. It's the message of God. Isn't it? Or Pastor Sawyer, you feel you deserve it. You are the type that must be called. I mean, you would have been very, very surprised if you are not a shepherd. No, it's the message of God. Yeah. It's not God's message. Pastor Manuel, it's not God's message. Yeah. We can't say that we are the type. I mean, I am the type that must be called. I mean, God... God has made a great mistake if you have not called me. No, it is special mercy. It's a special mercy. And what scripture do we have for that? Do you know what it says? No. You want to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. We all want to read it together so that we'll know what is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Are you with me? Okay, it's up there, isn't it? So do you want to read it? You want to read it? Are you ready to read? Okay, let's read it together. Shall we go? Yeah, as we have received what? Mercy. As we have received mercy, we faith. We have the ministry because we have received mercy. Or we have received mercy, that's why we have the ministry. So when you see the ministry that you have, when you see yourself present here at a shepherd's camp, at a camp, you should know that God has shown you great mercy. How many of you can feel the mercies of God on your life? That not been for his mercies. Where would you be today? Where would you be? Where would you have been? If not been for God's mercies. Learning about the privilege. Hallelujah. So it's God's mercies. Number three, what does it mean to be called? To be separated for his, for his purposes, for what God wants you to do. So now God is moving on, is separating you for what he wants you to do and what he wants to see in your life. So when you are called to be a shepherd, it means that now God is giving you a new assignment. And he's separating you from every other thing and from anything else for his purpose, for his purpose, for his purpose, for what he, God, wants you to do. Will you not like to do what God wants you to do? Will you not like God to tell you what to do? Are you there? Will you not be happy for God to tell you what to do? Yeah. What scripture do we have for that? Deuteronomy 10, 8. And then we have what? A Hebrew word. What's the Hebrew word? Badal. What does Badal mean? It means what? To be distinguished. And look different. To be distinguished and look different. And then we also have a Greek word, which is what? Aphorizo. Aphorizo. What was the meaning of aphorizo? <laughs> to keep two people apart by a boundary. Can you see that there's a difference between you and somebody else? Someone you knew before you became a shepherd. Can you see that God has separated you? You know, sometimes if you want to see what God is doing in your life, you have to look at what God is not doing in someone's life. Yeah. 
probably someone you grew up with, someone you went to school with, somebody you live with, and you can say suddenly your life by the message of God is different. It's not through what you have done or what you haven't done, but by the message of God, suddenly you are different. Your interests are different. Your abilities are different. What you are doing is different. Then you can say God has separated you by a boundary, by a boundary called his calling, his calling on your life. There's a difference between you and that person. Then you know that God has called you and God has blessed you. Lift your right hand and say thank you to the Lord for calling you. Hallelujah. Number four is what? Wow. To be appointed for a special purpose. What do we have over there? To appoint means what? To give what? To give a charge to who? To give a charge to someone. And then it also means what? To commit some. To commit something to someone. Do you all, do you all have that? Did you write that? You didn't write that. Some are writing now. So number four is what? To be appointed for a special purpose. And then we have that what? To be appointed means what? To give a charge to someone and then to, to commit something to someone or to be in charge of something. To be in charge of something. You all right? Okay. Can we move on? Number five. To be sent out properly. To be sent out properly. To be called a shepherd means to be sent out properly. To be sent out properly. For example, Joseph, isn't it? And then who else? Moses. Number six. To receive what? To receive grace from God. Hallelujah. To receive grace from God. Have you received grace from God? Have you received grace from God? Yeah. Number seven. To receive a ministry from God. To receive a ministry from God. That someone like you, today you have a ministry from God. Is it not a blessing? I mean, we, I mean, we can't go wrong from this thing that it is a privilege that someone like you, today you have a ministry. Someone like you, someone like me, you have a ministry. You have received a ministry. It's like you've received an office from God. God has given you an office. He set, he set a boundary, a region, and, and set you there to operate and to function. It's not a blessing. A, you have a ministry. I mean, a ministry. When you are discussing things with people, you are discussing your ministry. Yeah. It's a great privilege. Hallelujah. Number, number eight is to receive a talent from the Lord. To receive a talent. Number nine, to receive a gift. And then number ten, to receive an office. Do you have some scriptures for office? Exodus 29.1 First Timothy what? 3.10 3.10 And then Romans Romans what? 
to all four. <laughs> People have the verses. <laughs> Do you have twelve four? Is it Romans twelve four? Pastor Cliffield twelve four. Okay, not three four. Twelve four. Okay. All right. And then what does it mean? What does what does it mean of an office? Look, take your time. Take your time so that we can all get it. Number one, an office means what? A position. Number two, a place of work. Number three, a task. Number four, a function, a a place of responsibility, and then a job. Do you have all that? Okay, you don't have it. Let's say it again. An office means, number one, a position. Number two, a place of work. Number three, a task. A task. Number four, a function. A function. How many of you have been functioning in church? You function. You function. When you come to church, you function. You don't just sit on the chair, then you go home, but you function. That is, you, 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 you work. You work. Yeah. And then what else? A place of responsibility. A place of responsibility. And then a job. A job. A job. A job. I guess the, you have a job, isn't it? Yeah, you have a job. You have a job, you have a place, you have a function. Yeah. That's an office. Okay? So we have the ten things that it means to be called a shepherd. Isn't it? Number one was what? Quickly. Number one, number one, to be called a shepherd, number one. Everybody please, number one means... No, 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 no. I said, what it means to be called a shepherd. Uh, Listen to me. Don't follow your notes. (laughs) Okay. So I'm asking you again that what does it mean to be called a shepherd? Number one is what? To be summoned distinctly. Number two? To receive to receive special mercy. Number three? To be separated for God's purposes. Number four. To be appointed for a special purpose. Number five. To be sent properly. How many of you would like to be sent properly? How many of you would like to go on your own? They went and they were not sent. How many of you would like to go when you've not been sent? How many of you would like to be sent properly? Yeah, then you're a proper shepherd. Then you're not a thief, but a proper shepherd. Hallelujah. Then number six. To receive. Yeah, I think that sounds very sweet, isn't it? To receive grace from God. Number seven. To receive. To receive a ministry from God. Number eight. To receive what? A talent. To receive a talent. Number nine. 
to receive a gift. A gift from where? From God. Okay, and then number 10. To receive an office. Okay, then what's the next chapter? What it means to have the privilege of becoming a shepherd. What it means to have the privilege of becoming a shepherd. Do you know what it means to have the privilege of becoming a shepherd? How many of you think it's a privilege to be called a shepherd? It's a privilege. So why is it a privilege? So what it means, the meaning of having that privilege, what does it mean? Why is it a privilege? Why, why should you know that it's a privilege? What are the things that go into it for it to be a privilege? Number one is what? Why can't I hear you? It is the only privilege that can be compared to the privilege of becoming a king. How many of you like to be kings and queens? Yeah. So now you are kings and queens by becoming a shepherd. If you are not made a king over your tribe or over your nation, God has made you a king. God has made you a shepherd. It is, it is comparable to becoming a king. Number two. It is one of the only things in the Bible that is described as an honor. Hallelujah. It's an honor. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be called a shepherd. Number three. It is described by Moses as a great thing. Hallelujah. Number four. It's the privilege of joining a family. A family. And which family is that? The family of Levites, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a privilege to be brought into a special family? Yeah. Others were all ordinary people. So when you see the privilege of being a, a shepherd, you receive that privilege of being brought into a family that you otherwise wouldn't have been part of. Hallelujah. Next one. Number five is what? It is a high calling. Number six. It is an offer and an invitation for royalty. Okay, what it means to have a high calling? Ah, yeah. Okay, so after number five, then we have what it means. Ten things. It means to have a high calling. Do you have that? Right after it, it's a high calling. You have ten things that means to have a high calling. What's number one? Very quickly. God has done what? God has called you to an important job. God has called you to an important job. And when we say high calling, you, may not, you don't understand what high calling is. How many of you understood what high calling is before yesterday? You didn't know what high calling is. So that's why I have 10 things to help you understand what it means to have a high calling. Otherwise, it's just a term, high calling. But now we know what high calling is, isn't it? It means that God has called you to an important job. Number two. 
to be given a superior position. To be given a superior position. Number three. Is everybody with us? What is number three? It means to be given a significant position. Number four. To be given a powerful position. High calling means to be given a powerful position. How many of you feel you've been empowered as a shepherd? Yeah, to be given a powerful position. Number five. To be given a consequential position. Wow. You wouldn't say wow. Wow. Number six. To be given a distinguished position. And then number eight. The what? Exalted. Yeah, okay, number six is exalted. Yeah, to be given an exalted position. Number eight. To be given a prominent position. Number nine. Wow, big time job. Big time job. Tell your neighbor, I've got a big time job. Oh, tell somebody, I've got a big time job. And then number 10. To be part of a major lake. Yeah. Now your rankings are higher. Okay. <laughs> Alright. So number six. It is an offer. I think those at the back. You, you look. You look far. Those at the back. Are you with us? Okay, number six, please. Shall we go? It is an offer and an invitation to royalty. Number seven. It's an offer to wear the crown of life. How do you get the crown of life? How do you qualify for the crown of life? By what? Are you joking? <laughs> How do you get the crown of life? By overcoming temptation. Yeah. James what? One twelve. And then what's the next one? Number eight. So you wear the crown of what? Crown of glory. How do you get the crown of glory? By becoming a shepherd. How many of you are going to work? crown of glory the crown of glory crown of glory hallelujah what's the next one what it means for what to have a high ranking job of a shepherd do you have that chapter what it means to have a high ranking job of a shepherd so number one what does it mean It's like being a manager. So suddenly you become a manager. You're no longer a small boy. You're a manager. How many of you can see that you're a manager? Suddenly you're a manager. You're not a small boy. You used to think you're a small boy, but now you're a manager. Once you're a shepherd, you're a manager. Tell your neighbor from today, I am a manager. Tell someone else, I'm no longer a small boy. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> number two. Number two is what? It's like being a boss. You didn't know you were a boss, isn't it? But now you know you're a boss. Yeah, you are the boss. You thought you had a boss, but now you are the boss. Number three. You're a supervisor. Supervisor. Ah, that's a big post to be called a supervisor. <laughs> Number four. Now you're a director. I mean, you can see that now you're a director. <laughs> Since you were born, have you ever been a director before? Mm, you've only known of directors, but now you're a director. Number five, to be an executive. Wow. Number six, to be what? A superior number seven to be a governor to be a governor to be a governor yeah be a governor number eight to be a superintendent number nine to be a proprietor number ten organizer eleven controller i'm even like to control some things you are controlling from today you're a controller number eleven Overseer. Hey, now you're a geo. <laughs> and then number 12. Ah, that's the best. Ask your neighbor, what is your name? This is his Abby. Say, hey, Chief Abby. Come on, put your hands together and welcome the bishop to the microphone. each day passes by I feel my love run dry I get so weary worn and tossed round in the storm but I've learned to work these knees and I'm tired of planting seeds I seem to have a with so many thoughts about myself I want to, I need to be more like Jesus I want to, I need to be more like Him Our Father's will was done by giving us His Son he paid the highest cost to point us to the cross. And when I look at him, taking up the whole world's sin, I take one look at me compared to what I ought to be. I want to. I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Him. Remember 
there's no greater love than to lay down a life for a Sorry that we are late. We were held up by some animals. <laughs> have to confess our sins first. <laughs> All right. Um, number 16, patient. You must be patient. I've given you the stringent qualities. All right. Is that not so? That are required for a pastor. That is what shows that a a pastor is a high-ranking job. Isn't it? Is that not so? If you you know that you don't need so many qualities to be a messenger. Isn't it? You don't need so many qualities or qualifications to be a delivery man. You, You don't need much. You just need to know how to drive and then you can go. So, but when there are a whole lot of things you have to do then it shows that that's a very senior job. Isn't it? And so because there are so many qualities that are required, it shows you that being a shepherd is a high-ranking job. So when you are being invited to become a shepherd, you are being invited to do a high-ranking job. And it's a privilege. And I want you to see it that way and see these qualities and qualifications as things you can attain. Amen. And one of them is not greedy for filthy lucre. Amen. One of the ways you can overcome greed is to pay your tithes. Amen. I started paying tithes when I was a student many years ago. And I got into the habit of always giving 
10% of whatever I had. I remember when I was a student, when I was unemployed, at a point I was unemployed in London, and I was uh, getting about 20 pounds or 10 pounds a week, something like that. And I would pay my tithes out of that all the time. But it was around sixth form, uh, my O-level, that would be 1979, you know, that I began to pay tithes. And I remember that there was a time when I really believed in tithes. So I had a good friend. And um, she did her exams, and she chose the, the university, but she didn't get that university. She got a second university, and she was heartbroken because she was not coming to the university that she chose. But at that time, I had just got the revelation on tithing. So I explained to her, that I'm, I'm sharing this because it helps me to remember when I started believing in tithing. And that was when she did A-level and I did O-level. Do you have A-level and O-level here? What do you have here? You have SS here too? Uh, no, they don't do O-level and A-level. The British. You don't have the British system here? Uh, there's a Kenyan system and there's another system. Okay. So, where we had O-level and A-level... And so, at that time, when, when she did not, she did well, but not as well as she wanted to, I explained to her from Malachi that the devourer, the first question I asked her, do you pay tithes? <laughs> when her exam results came, I said, do you, do you pay tithes? She said, oh, no, she doesn't really pay tithes. And I said, the devourer has eaten her marks. <laughs> has eaten her first choice. This was my counsel that I gave to her at that time. So that's 1980. I was explaining that. How many years is that now? 30 years. I paid tithes as a student. I paid tithes as somebody who was unemployed for many years. I I only started working in um, 1989 or 1990. So at least 10 years out of the uh, 30 years I've been paying tithes. I was a student or unemployed. You get it? Everything I had, I'll pay tithes on it. Wow. I remember one day my grandmother sent me 10 pounds. My Swiss grandmother. I was in London. She sent me a, she sent me a, a card. When I opened it, it was 10 pounds. You don't have an idea what it meant to me to receive those 10 pounds. And I paid tithes. I didn't have shoes. I mean, my, my shoes were torn and I couldn't buy them, but I would pay my tithe. My, the flap of my shoe would open wide. When it opens, this, my foot is under and then the sole is separated from my foot. Like that. You may laugh, but it's true. I walked to church many times so that I just slide this foot along. And then I take steps with the left one. And then I slide with the right. But I would always pay my tithes. So that is one of the ways 
to cure the and to cure greed and also especially to cure you from not being afraid of God's money. You see, to work for God, you must be afraid of God's money. You must consider God's money here and your money here. It's something that must be in you. You see, for instance, I have, I have, I have my, my will. I've written my will. That if I die, if I have something, it should be for this person or that person. But there is nothing that belongs to the church in my will. There's no church building, no church office, no church property, no instrument, no bank account, nothing. I don't even sign checks anyway. I don't sign any money of the church. We take offering, it goes to wherever it's supposed to go. I don't have anything to do with the money. So the church is here and I'm also here. God's money is here and I'm also here. You have to, and you have to be afraid of it. You see, that's what I was talking about. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. His righteousness shall endure forever, not just for up to while he's alive. And a light arises in darkness for the upright. The one who fears the Lord, a light will arise for him. Psalm 1, 1, 12 and Psalm 120. These are the fear of the Lord Psalms. Don't forget it too. If you didn't remember anything from the camp, at least these two Psalms. You know, just as Christians know, Ephesians 5 has husbands love your wife. You should know this Psalm has this, this Psalm has this. We, you don't know anything in the Psalms. Or, I mean, you don't know what is in Isaiah. What is Isaiah 12, you know, Isaiah 15. You don't know much. It shows we don't know the Bible and we don't know God. So when I give you such tips, Psalm 112 and Psalm 120, you should try to record it in somewhere and then start to begin to know God. There are 150 of them. And each one you should know this Psalm contains this. So at least I've given you two. Well, are you happy to have at least two as a starter pack for your Psalms? I mean, trying to learn about Psalms. Isn't it? So, um, I want you to really, really believe God um, to become somebody who is not controlled by money. Money is a God. And because it is an alternative to God, as described by Jesus Christ, you cannot serve God or mammon, must be viewed in a certain sense as the devil. It's true. Because the devil is the enemy of God. The alternative to God. The opposite of God. Like an idol. So, in a certain sense, you must see money as something that is either the devil, near to the devil, used by the devil, something like that. But also as something that is necessary for you to have and to use. But it's so almost devilish you have to be very careful with it it can and it will guide you guide you guide you guide you can never do the right thing because of only money and most of the work of god you don't have to think about money when you are doing it you don't have to think of thank yous i'm telling you you have to do it from your heart freely because you love the lord if you love the lord amen I'm having a camp soon. The theme of the camp is if you love the Lord. Yeah. 
Are you listening? Yeah. So, what I'm sharing with you is so important for you to try to register it. And you, you, a vision to be a rich man is a bad vision. I tell, if all the pastors in the world are telling you that it is a, it's a good vision, I am also entitled to my opinion. And I'm also sharing with you that it's a bad vision. As a vision. No, 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 no. I want you to rather have a vision to fear God, to know God, to love God, to serve Him. And to do whatever He asks you to do. The other things are things that will be added unto you. And as you serve the Lord, He Himself will give you wisdom. The wisdom, and that wisdom produces wealth. So you are, so money is this type of it's like uh, electricity. You have to have a very careful relationship with it. That's, that's how it is. It's, it's something that kills. So, so you have to see electricity as something that can kill you. Look, somebody's taking my volume. And I don't think I appreciate that. There was a guy who was fixing some cables underground. You know, as he was fixing the cable, then he just became still. You know, because they had switched off the power. And somebody went and switched on the big electricity and he just he just died in that position he was just there like that he was dead it is a very powerful thing if you have ever seen somebody being electrocuted my little sister one time i was in the sitting room with her we had a lamp which had three uh, bulbs at the top and when she was small she was playing with it she took off the bulbs and then she put her she was putting her finger in and the electricity was on so her finger went in and now she was stuck to it and then the electricity was going like that and her finger got bent eventually when she she got up so electricity helps us to have our tea have our bath put on lights play microphone camp cook do so many things but at the same time it kills so you have to have a careful relationship that's why i said that man you have to treat as a devil as an evil thing as something you need as something you that kills because I mean, something that can kill you is a very dangerous thing. So you have to have a very careful relationship with it. And it starts by paying tithes and learning that everything comes from God. 10% belongs to the Lord. After that, offerings and generosity is also a good thing. After that, giving to the poor, helping people, and so on. all that kind of character, not stealing, is that you have to be very, very careful. What is the corruption we have in the world? Kenya, there's a lot of corruption. Ghana, there's a lot of corruption. Nigeria, there's a lot of corruption. What is it? It is the stealing that is in the hearts of men. So when you are a Christian or a shepherd, that particular thing must be cured. Money, you have to be cured of stealing it lying about it, being corrupt, whatever. All the things that we are doing in the church, we could not do if we were just siphoning off money to heap up in bank accounts, in hidden places. We could not. We would not be in Kenya. I hope you know that for us to send a missionary to somewhere, it it takes a lot of money. Last year, we spent a quarter of a million dollars just sending missionaries, sending them, not buying anything, just sending, sending people. These are the kind of money that we used to spend to send missionaries and more even than that. 
So dear friend, you must correct your relationship with man. Otherwise you cannot go far. But if you correct it, you can go very far. Look at somebody like me. I can give instructions to buy things that cost one million dollars. Do you think I cannot steal? Anybody who is in charge of something can steal. If I want to steal, I'll steal. Can you imagine how much I would be stealing? It will not be good at all to put somebody like me in charge of money when I'm stealing it. And that's what's happening in our countries. We have thieves in charge of large amounts, building a road, building this. And you see, the stealing is in different forms and proportions. Do you understand? Are you listening to me? Yeah. One day, um, an African minister went to visit his counterpart in Asia. He went on a visit. The minister of uh, roads or whatever. So when he got there, the minister took him to his house for dinner. When he got to the house, he said, wow. The guy's house was fantastic. Mansion. Palace. So the African minister asked him, you, with your salary, how could you build such a house? The Asian minister of uh, whatever, finance or whatever, said, oh, I'll explain to you. When they finished eating, he took him to a certain room and then he opened the curtains and said, look, do you see? Far down. Then he saw a valley and there was a bridge, big bridge down there. He said, do you see that bridge? Part of the bridge money is what I used to build my house. So, Time passed by and the Asian visit minister also came to visit the African minister of finance. When he came, the African minister returned the courtesy by inviting him to come to his house. So when he came to the minister of road and highways house, he said, Hey! such a house and the African minister said I will show you <laughs> so when they finished eating then they went to a similar place they opened and said do you see down the valley do you see the road there and the Asian minister said but there is no road there and the said yes it is the road that I used to build my house the road is my house <laughs> <laughs> There was no road there. This is the house. The road is the house. That's the difference between Asian corruption and African corruption. 
this is a story that is told by Julius Nyerere, president of Tanzania. Is that not so? First president. Explaining, he was explaining the difference between Asian corruption and African corruption. He's the one who told us that story. Yeah. So I'm saying that the stealing is in different levels. So sometimes the pastors we steal in different levels. The shepherds stealing in different levels. And so if you have a certain type of person in charge of the money, there will be no road at all. I'm telling you. Mercy. Are you listening to me? So filthy lucre is very, very important. That is what has brought us into all this. (laughs) Okay. How many are glad to know a a good story? (laughs) The next one, 16. Patient. Amen. Meek and gentle. Right? We you need to to be a main a pastor, you need patience because the work of God doesn't work quickly. Amen. The work of God doesn't work quickly. Do you understand? Uh, Should I show you why? Should I show you why? What did you learn by class six at the time you reached class six? Four minus two is two. Two times four. Two, six, eight. It took you six years to learn. Six times six is thirty-six. Six years of training. Do you see how slow we are to learn anything? Yeah. So as I look at my daughter, I say, what the whole year? So what are they learning? <laughs> Every day they go to class camp. We drive them to school. Back A B C D A B C D A B C D. Oh, and why? A B C D A B C D. Two times one. Two plus two. Four plus the whole year. So one day it occurred to me. I said, "It is very difficult for us to learn." It takes a long time for us to do the work of God. This girl must be giving a great card. Uh, yellow card. My darling, come. Angel uh, Rangers. Well, Rangers. Ebo, you need to give her revival treatments. You shall take her outside. Wake her up and bring her back. Two injections. Amen. Amen. Are you there? Patient. It takes a long time. The work of God takes a long time. It takes a long time for you to learn. For you to believe things. For you to trust things. I'm telling you. You think that when you just say it once it works. No. Look at your child. 
one plus two. Still cannot get it. They will be at one plus four, then they will one thing. Four, then they will count. One, two, three, four, five. Hey! Nine, take away three. And they'll do. Take away one, two, three. It's left with what? One, two, three, four, five, six. You have gone to school for four years, but still counting fingers. Nine, take away three. Patience. So when a pastor is also teaching his congregation seven great principles and they are not getting the principles. You you are teaching your congregation they are still fornicating. They are still lying. They are still stealing. They are not changing. The husband is still beating his wife. The husband is not making tea for his wife in the morning. Kenyan tea. Eh? And you have been saying it for three years. Huh? It, you have to remember your children. How you've been telling them nine take away three. It's what? One, two, three. So it's left with what? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Okay. <laughs> hey! That's why you have to teach the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. We'll be preaching the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same. So anybody who comes to sit around like two, no, I know what this is. You are not needed here. Because your presence prevents us from taking people through what they need to go through. I believe that the good teacher repeats his messages over and over and over and over and over. But maybe in a clever way. But you have to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. and re- It takes a long time. It takes time for people to change. If at all, they will change. If they will change. But they may never change. Amen. But as you keep preaching, you'll be surprised. One day I went to preach at a church. Is it you I was telling? That's another group. And after I finished preaching, the man came and said to me, there was a, it was a wedding. The man, the f- head of the family, he was 80 years old. And he came up to me and he said, I preach, you must be born again. He came up to, to me after and he said, young man, come here. He said, come, come, young man, come here. Because I was the pastor and I had preached a sermon and there was a come. So I came. Yes, sir. And he said, let me tell you something. I am 80 years old and I will never change. I will never change. And he said, I will never be born again. Yeah. I will never be born again and I will never change. He said, you told me I am an Anglican and I will never change. But recently, 10 years later, 
I forget whose wedding it was. Yet another wedding in my cathedral. I saw him. When I saw him, I told my pastor, I will never be born again. He's here today. He's sitting right on the, He's sitting right in front. And I preached again the same. You must be born again. And I said, if you want to be born and you want to give your life to Christ, can you believe who lifted up his hand? I will never be born again. His hand was up. I want to be born again. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I will never change. Has lifted up his hand to give his life to Jesus Christ. It's changing. I forget whose wedding it was, but it was another wedding that involved his family. When I say family head, it's like the extended family. So several different families. He's the head. He's the oldest. So it, that's what brought him yet again to another wedding. So be patient. You you'll be surprised at who will become your star. Be patient. You'll be surprised who will become your rich man in the church. Be patient. You'll be surprised who will become your millionaire in the church. One day, I went to um, visit a millionaire. But I didn't know so much about this millionaire. He's a multi-millionaire with his own private jet. Yeah, his own private. When he's traveling, he doesn't use South African and British Airways. He flies on his own. He even wanted me to come on his flight with him, but I couldn't because I wanted to go the day after. But as I was talking with him, I realized two things. Number one, I realized that he had gone to a secondary school. Do you have secondary schools in Kenya? He went to a secondary school just like mine as an ordinary person, but had become through certain channels a multi-millionaire. So I realized that a multi-millionaire can come from someone who has not inherited anything, but through the grace of God, he just goes here, goes here, goes here, this happens, this happens. The second thing I realized that he, he, he used to be an, uh, you know, he used to be in the church like a server, I don't know whether Anglican or Catholic or whatever. Now he does not believe in God. Now I realized that you can come from the most ordinary common backgrounds and become very, very rich. So, when you are seeing people, teachers will warn you, those who are teachers, you never know which child is going to become the president or the president's wife or whatever. And Obama, who is from Kenya, Obama's wife said something when she was having her dinners when they were inaugurated at different dinners. She said, she said something. She said, there is nothing in my background. She was speaking to the Queen of England and some other people. She said, there is nothing in my background which should make me stand here today. There's nothing in my background. A normal African-American. In, in Ghana, we call them Akata. Akata is a sugarcane plantation people. Akata woman. A normal Akata woman has become the first lady of America. Addressing the queen. There is nothing in my background. So some of the people you are looking after and pastoring, there is nothing in their current state that can reveal eh, what that person is going to become. So handle with care and handle with patience. One day, a certain lady 
she had a certain husband. She had children, but not with that husband, with another person. And she decided to marry this young man. As she married the man, the man didn't give her any child. And the man did not also prosper. So one day, she decided to leave him. Now, because of his name, you will not know his family. Because in Ghana, you can know the family sometimes from the name. Many, many, many years after she left him in his poverty, he was suddenly elected to become, and I have to abbreviate my story so that you don't know who I'm talking about. He was suddenly elected to become one of the most powerful and richest men in Ghana. And now he needed his official wife. So now this wife who has left him some years ago wanted to come back. Now, the people around this powerful man, newly powerful, he was a non-entity. I say, when I say non-entity, I'm telling you, there is nothing in his background that will reveal to what he's about to become. Suddenly, this man became so powerful. All the people around said, no. So there was some question, should he take the old wife? They debated and said, no. She left you when you were nothing. When you were struggling. So she should not be taken. And she was not taken. I was hoping she was taken because she was a member of my church. Hey, I want my members to, 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 to do well. Charlie? I wanted, her, I wanted her to do well. Yeah. But she wasn't taken. I was so sad. But you see, I, I just keep on saying that there is nothing in people's background to show you who they are going to become. Yeah. One day. One of my children's friends was playing football in school. And they said he's a good player. And my children kept on saying, So so and so is a very good player. My children kept saying, This so and so is a very good player. So so and so is a very good player. I said, eh. I said, oh, He can run, he can play, he can do everything. I never. And I remember one day I saw him in the school. Oh, yeah, how are you? Then one day, I was there, and I was now told that Chelsea, Chelsea, are looking for this boy. The friend of my little boys, like that. One of the little boys. Then, the mother now asked me to speak to the Chelsea manager. So now I was on the phone to Chelsea. I was speaking to them. Yes. Yes. Explain. 
explain it well. Explain it. Explain. Explain. I say you will never know who will become what and what may become what. I'm telling you. Hey! Sasa was speaking to this Chelsea manager for about one hour. I was on the phone to him. Discussing. Uh, I was just thinking, Lord, perhaps. You never know. So, you see, be patient. You may not know how. You may not know when. But he will do it. He will do it one day. So, be patient with your people. When you see the most mulliganous person, take your time. Greet the person nicely. Talk to the person. Don't treat anybody. Yeah? Can see that? No. Please. When you see people that look poor, you may not know how. You may not know where or when. Or who. Hmm. So taking of time. Tell somebody, taking of time. Yeah. Taking of time with everybody. Taking of time. That's why, that's why a real pastor, you are patient. Somebody is off. Read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. Put it on the screen. What does it say? A pastor is someone who can have compassion on his ordained. Verse 2. He's ordained from among men. Alright, go to verse 2. Hebrews chapter 5. Go to verse 2. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. He can. He can just flow with ignorance and out of the way misguided. Amen. What, what does your say? Gen- he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself also is beset with weakness. He can deal gently with the misguided. Okay. Okay, number 17. Not a brawler. It's the same fighting, isn't it? Don't bite policemen. Number 18. Not covetous. Amen. It's another quality, quality. You don't have to be covetous. One day, a certain brother visited a certain pastor. When he visited the pastor and he left, he, he made a comment about the pastor's house. He said, The pastor has a lot of gadgets in his house. He said, Hey, the gadgets that I saw. That's why we don't want sometimes some people to visit us in our houses. Because they are looking at the gadgets. You see, you park your car. Then they will come. What car is this? What car is this? What car is this? They want to know which car. What's the name of the car? Hey! I've not seen a car like this. You see, why are you looking into things? What do you have? How much do you have? 
A pastor, you don't have to be, you don't have to look at people with those eyes. What do you have? Do you have money? Then I will visit you. Are you rich? Then I will pray for you. Who are you? No. Just don't have that eye. When you look at somebody, look at the right things. A covetous man is always looking for what he can get. One day, a certain pastor was going to introduce a lady pastor to the congregation. And so he said, I want to introduce our sister, lady pastor, so, so, and so. She has very big breasts. <laughs> look, listen. Look, 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 look. If I'm joking, I, I will tell you. If I'm joking, I will tell you. <laughs> no, no, I, I will tell you when I'm joking. He, he said, he said, <laughs> he said, she has, she has very big breasts. Physically, she has very big breasts, but she also has big spiritual breasts. <laughs> you see, you, you don't have to keep your eyes on certain things. <laughs> you, you need to look around. It can easily come out by mistake. Because he has been looking at her breasts. And seeing that these are mighty breasts. You see. So he stood in front of the entire congregation. And he introduced her. And said, let us welcome Lady Pastor. So, so, and so. She has very big breasts. But she also has big spiritual breasts. This is a fantastic introduction. It's classic. And it, it will enter one of the Guinness Book of Records. But you see, you don't, you don't, you don't meet somebody and say, Oh, I, you have quite sizable breasts. No, you, you don't do that. So what I'm trying to say is you don't keep your eyes on the wrong aspect. The person may have the breast or whatever it is, but you don't, Oh, you have big breasts. You have the, no. So it's the same thing when a pastor keeping his eyes on people's money and on their cars and people's possessions and their house is ugly. You have, your eye is on the wrong thing of the person. The wrong aspect of the person. I, I, we are just waiting for the person who's going to introduce someone and say, let us work on Lady Pastor. She has big bottoms. <laughs> because at least now we have the big breasts. On record, and I'm sure it's, it's on the it's on the it's on the it's on the CD. So you see, when, when you meet me, you shouldn't be interested in my car. There are people who have come to our church. Which one? This bishop's car. You see, I remember one time some BMWs and other cars. Some guy came around and said, "So this bishop's car. This bishop's car. When you come, you will not even see my car." This one is Bishop's car. This is his car. Which, which one is his car? That's all the eye covetous. That is how a Gehazi was. When he went to minister, 
his eye was on how he could get some clothes and how he could get money. And when your eye is on that, you lose the anointing and you lose the real position of ministry. I'm telling you. It's true. You may notice that some things you can't help noticing. I mean, you may have noticed that she had big breath, but you should have noticed that other things should have been deeper in your heart that when you couldn't help yourself, that one rather comes out. <laughs> hey! Tell somebody not covetous. Number 19. A ruler of his own house. I think we went through that yesterday, isn't it? Number 20. Not a novice. Not a novice. First Timothy 3.6. You must not be inexperienced. So we need people to be experienced in the ministry. And that is why we want you to work. You cannot just be sent out as a missionary. You cannot just be sent Oh, I want to be a missionary. I want to die for God. When you go and die for God, what will you do? So you need experience in preaching. Experience in teaching. Experience in leading people. Experience in accommodating difficult people. Experience in handling the rich and the poor. Experience in relating with Every kind of person. Experience with um, crisis, troubles, difficulties. You need to go through the different experiences that you need in your life and your ministry. Can I have an amen? Amen. Can I have an amen? Amen. So, not a novice. A a lot of things come with experience. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. You always do better. When you are experienced. So not a novice. In other words, not a new person. We can't use you when you are new. You need to stay around for some time. When you stay around for some time, you find out everything is not as it seems. You find out that we all have faults. You find out that there's problems in the church. You find out there's difficulties everywhere. But when you are new, divorce I'm surprised you are new you just came that's why you're finding out such things and you are shocked but I saw that sister was singing the choir do you know after church did you see the man who came to pick her a man with a big pot belly in a big black Mercedes Benz he took her away wow I never knew a Christian could do something like that and I saw them going to a hotel. Woo! You are new. You are new. The champion for Niketa that I have met. You know, we have champions league. We have champions whatever. The champion for Niketa that I met is the most prayerful lady that I've ever seen in a church. Yeah. Not, not maybe not in recent. I have no more prayerful ladies now, but in those days she was the most prayerful. When I say most prayerful, I'm, I'm talking about somebody who comes to pray before everybody comes to church. I'm talking about somebody when you walk into the church, she will be there alone, 
She will not be in the front. She will not be out there. She will be back. She will be out there. She will be sitting there. And she loved to sit down like this and stamping and shabakada la ba 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 Pray interceding for all of us before we come. She's the champion fornicator that I knew. Yeah. So you, you, when you get experience, you begin to find out that two things can be in one person. Ibayo. Two things can be in one person. But when you are new, you, you will only think that only one thing can be in somebody. This message continues on the next track. Keep listening.